Welcome to the Accelerant Podcast, where we are impacting thought leadership in the nonprofit community. Hi there. Thank you for joining me on the show today. My name is Saranda West, your host for The Accelerant. Over the past many weeks, I really still wish I knew what week it was. Our world has been turned upside down in many ways. One of the things that always helps me get recentered, if you will, is working with so many great nonprofits that are doing wonderful things in the community, which is why I'm looking forward to today. I am joined by Adam Schilling, Executive Director of Membership and Programs, and Shannon Matthews, Chief Operating Officer from the YMCA of Greater Grand Rapids. Welcome to you both. Well, good morning. Thanks for having us. Yeah, happy to be here. So, um, Shannon and Adam, let's start out, you know, I think for all of us, it, it's it's hard to know with the pandemic and everything that's going on in our world today, like I kind of joked about what day it is, but it really has felt like that in a lot of ways. So we'll, one of you start out um, by summarizing just the past several months in Grand Rapids and then what the current state of like where you are in terms of um, your YMCA. Yeah, like most people around the country, I like to say it's just been a whirlwind. Um, we went from uh, March when the governor shut us down and it was rush, 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 shut down, uh, closing the facilities. Um, and then we got into the mode of recovery and it's time to rebuild and to go from all the information flooding in around CARES Act and the shutdown to reopening has definitely been very stressful um, and just very busy. And so as we brought our team back together to start about to start discussing what reopening looks like, we realized we needed to take a pause because we just came off the emergency of shutting down um, and all the quick decisions that had to be made. But we know reopening, we had to be a lot more thoughtful and a lot more intentional. So we slowed our pace down. And I want to say one thing I'm very proud of is that we paused and we just took time to research what's out there. We did a big data, a data dump. We uh, looked at uh, what's happening. What is the CDC telling us? What is the health department telling us? Let's reach out to our counterparts around the country and the Y to see what they're doing. And we started to compile all this wonderful information. And we really took about a week or so to go through all this information, all this data before we even started to work on our recovery plan. And I think that has really uh, fared well for us and played well for us because we came in with a lot of information and data to help us make educated decisions to move our organization forward. I love that. Help me understand more about what the, when you said you took a pause. So what did that pause look like? Did you have to furlough any staff? Was was staff involved? Was it a looking back at um, just all of the services you offer to the community overall? Like, what is that process like? Well, it, during the shutdown, yes, of course, we had to furlough staff. So it was devastating to close our facilities and lay off and furlough our family. And so we did that, but we did keep a small executive team on board um, because we had to make sure that our facilities, although we shut them down, we had our facilities people going in, making sure that we were okay daily. And we had our executives here, again, just doing research so we can make education educated decisions moving forward. So when I talk about resourcing, all the execs came together. We did, of course, everyone was on go-to meeting or Zoom, and we just started talking about how's everyone feeling. 
Where's your mind at? Where's your heart at? Um, what do we want to focus on as an organization to make us stronger? Uh, what I love about the y, uh, the YMCA is that our national office and the great resources they have. And they actually had a pandemic playbook that had just published. <laughs> and so we kind of went through the pandemic playbook. And then we talked about we need to know more outside of what just the Y is doing. And so we released our execs just to go research. And uh, so everyone went out and found articles and what was happening around the country. And we downloaded it in the folder and we all just spent time going through reading it and discussing it as a team. Yeah. And Adam, I know you're you're no stranger to data, so I'm sure you had a, a hand in that as well. Yeah, you know, um, I've been really placed in a fortunate position to um, help sort of take that skill set of using data and try to make sense of it um, to help kind of lead our team here in this, you know, recovery of reopening our facilities. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, Shannon, you know, identified there was a lot of the, the decision making that, that we were doing. And we tried to use that data to help bring about a well-rounded picture for making these decisions. And our, our whole decision-making process has really sped up during this time. I mean, as a large organization, right, we have somewhere between 1,600 and 1,800 employees typically on staff when we're opening and, you know, have all our programs running to, to, to the extent that we did pre-closure. Um, some of the decision-making processes can take a little bit of time because there's so many layers and people to consult in the different processes. Well, during this time period, there's not really as much, you know, bandwidth. There's not much time to have that extended decision-making process. And so our group has gotten really comfortable making decisions and then a day later saying, oh, maybe that decision wasn't the right one. Let's change it or tweak it a little bit. And I think in the past, that wasn't a, a trait that we were necessarily too comfortable with. We would make a decision and we'd try and stick with it. But during this time, we know that we're going to have to be a little bit more loose with some of those decisions. And so that's where that data and the information really comes in hand is as we're getting more information information. As we're learning from other YMCAs that are reopening across the country, we're taking their experiences and using it to help shape, reshape even the plan that we have right now. I can't tell you how many versions of our reopening plan we've gone through because it's just, you know, every day we're tweaking one thing here or there. Oh, Adam, that the decision making, as you all know, I'm in product development. And so we have this roadmap where it's like, here's exactly all of these new things that we're going to build. I'm pretty sure that like, has changed literally like turned upside down 10 times in, in a week. My um, my team lead actually at one point, he was like, okay, guys, let's run, but let's run with safety scissors instead of like really sharp scissors, right? So it's okay if we fall and hurt ourselves, but... Oh, that's good. Let's keep moving fast. Just, but let's not try to hurt too many things because we can, you can pivot and make a, make tweaks later on. One of the, one of the items that... Um... Our CEO, Scott Lewis, said that when we first, you know, embarked on um, sort of starting to reopen our, our, our wives and figure out what these plans were, was he advised our team to um, not go too deep into decisions, to, to not go to a layer that was going to cause us 
too much work to get down to because there were so many things for us to be focusing on and there were so many fewer people than we were used to having that he knew we were all going to be having to run pretty fast on a lot of things. So that's where all of that great research comes into play is that it allows us to get an understanding of what's happening and then make a decision and then move on to kind of that next thing. I just want to say research is definitely a part of it but you have to also inspire your team. And how do you get, how do you pull your people up when we're going through so much tragedy and so much uncertainty in the world? And so we looked to our history. We brought in a YMCA historian to talk to us about when the Y has been in crisis before. And that was so fabulous. We did that the first week we brought all the team together. And, you know, we just looked at, you know, in World War One how the Y showed up with morale work and they did sports and recreation for the soldiers. And, and we looked at how the Y showed up in uh, uh, 1918 for the flu pandemic. And we were on the front line then, as we're on the front line now, working hand in hand with the public and the community. But we also raised dollars behind that to support the work. And then we look at how the Y showed up in the Great Depression, constantly changing and having to adapt. And we feel <laughs> we laugh because like here we are again, having to constantly change and adapt. But what I thought was an aha moment for me is during the Great Depression, the Y pivoted towards public policy again. And they pivot towards youth work, which is exactly what we're doing now in COVID-19. And so um, I am so proud to work for an organization that's not afraid to be on the front lines and to figure it out with the people and with the communities and in the communities that we serve. Yes, absolutely. What are some of those ways that you have pivoted and, and turned towards the community like, as you've been closed? Um, are there new services that have, have came from this time? Well, uh, we went right back to youth work. So uh, child care for our essential workers. So we're currently partnering with roughly about four hospitals to make sure their staff have a safe place to drop their children. We also expanded our food distribution program. Um, as of last week, over, over 75,000 meals have been served to the families. And then opening our doors up for blood drives to make sure that our hospitals have enough uh, supplies and resources. So I'm so proud to be able to say that we were able to show that we're so much more than a gym during this trying time. Yes. Yeah. Where are you in terms of reopening? I guess, like, what is the, the current plans? So with our reopening plan, we do not yet have a, a date from our governor for when we're able to have our facilities operational, um, open to the public for the, the, the gym and the fitness side of what we do with the community. But we have our plan that is in a final draft form. I, I'm very proud to say that like, if we had to open you know, a facility tomorrow, we could make that happen. We would we would be ready for that. So we are just really waiting for that date. Um, our governor has really been at the forefront of making decisions that prioritizes safety and health of the community. And we've had a few different um, outbreaks that have been a little bit larger, especially over in the, the east side of the state in Detroit. So I think our governor has wanted to slow walk this a little bit more than in some of the other states. I guess hopefully in sometime this month in June, um, be looking to reopen. That's great. You have such a good plan. And to, you, you mentioned earlier, there's other wise in across the country that you can learn from. So hopefully you'll be able to take all those great, great learnings and apply that to your, to your plan as well. Well, and I think we're seeing the power of the movement right now, um, mm. you know, especially in things like what we're doing right here is we're sharing information with others. And there's more sharing of what's happening within our associations than I've seen in my you know, entire 15, 16 year career in the Y. 
there was a great webinar the other day with um, the COOs from Oklahoma City and Tulsa. They'd both been opened for almost a month, and they were just sharing what they had they'd been experiencing and seeing as far as trend. Um, and that was really helpful. It was really eye-opening. It provided some, you know, experiential learning from those wise to, to the rest of the wise in the movement that were needing that. And so we're, we're seeing that more now than ever. And so that's what makes me so proud of how, you know, we're showing up. We're, we're not just showing up in our cities. We're showing up across the country. We are banding together and we are really going to do everything that we can to utilize the power of this wide brand for our local communities. It's the, it's the epitome of think globally, act locally. Yeah, exactly. And in terms of your, I guess to dig into your reopening plan just a little bit, one of the, I can be honest, you guys, I hate buzzwords, but one of the buzzwords, and it may have changed by now, but is like this touch-free or contact-free or touchless. So just in all of the, you know, thinking about coming into a YMCA to a program or to work out whatever it is. There's so many things that you could potentially touch. And so of course, then the spread of germs and everything goes from there. What does your reopening playbook look like in terms of trying to limit that, that contact with people? What our reopening plan looks like for the, the touch-free environment is that um, we have um, at our YMCA a um, business service center, and that provides an opportunity for centralized administration. Um, it houses our center, but it also houses um, the the data processors and the other team members who are working on the the back end of our system within Daxco to make sure that everything is being entered correctly, that it's available for sale. And they also do um, transactional processing for member um, registrations and program registrations. Um, So we have chosen to centralize what happens um, within our facilities when someone comes in to, to register. So we've moved to an online experience. So, you know, Saranda, if you were to, to enter into our YMCA once we're reopened and ask to join as a member pre-closure, we would have had a team member there. They may have asked you to fill out a piece of paper. They may have um, just walked it through and typed it on a computer for you and got you to sign everything you needed to sign. What's going to happen now is that we will have iPads and computer stations for individuals to complete that transaction themselves. So we will have team members that are there alongside them trying to help them work through that process. But it will not be um, an exchange of paper, pens between individuals. So that's really going to be a key step. Um, And what is exciting about that is that it frees up our team members that are within our branch locations to really focus on the experience that our members and participants are having within our YMCAs. That is what our team members at our branches do best is they focus on building the relationships, seeking to understand what our members are going through, and then trying to help them reach their, their goals, whatever those goals might be. And so to be able to remove some of the administrative burden of having to process transaction, that's going to free them up to do the work that's going to be so important for our community once our doors are open, which is helping people get reconnected and get back on a path towards wellness, whatever that might mean for them. So we've also had a full transition to um, all online membership sales. So um, that includes our corporate and financial assistance categories, which um, previously you had to, to come into the facility to fully activate those. Um, 
And so that's going to be the the main way that we are going about trying to have that that touch free environment. Um, there's other items that we've done to adapt our facilities. You know, if you are going to be exercising on the fitness floor and you're using free weights, once we reopen, right now we're saying no spotters, right? Because if you're spotting someone and they're doing a bench press, you're going to have to be kind of directly over their face in order to lift that bar for them. And then we know because this is mostly a respiratory disease that that is going to be a, a way that you're going to be able to, to contract as if they're breathing that air right up to you. Um, so we, we've gone and made a few other adaptations within our spaces as well. I know this differs by state and you, you said that the governor is still deciding every open date. Do you have an idea of guidelines in terms of masks and other things like that that may be required for members or is that still to be determined? Yeah. And so um, we've been working uh, with the health department um, during this whole journey, um, balancing the plans that we have off of them, asking them really pointed questions. And that was one of those questions was the guidance on the masks. And they, our health department here in Kent County has said that um, it is not mandatory for um, individuals entering our facilities to exercise to wear masks if they feel it's going to put them in a space that makes them less safe. They're there is restricted breathing that comes along with wearing the mask. And so when you're doing heavy cardiovascular exercise, you have more deep diaphragm breathing. If you're wearing a mask, that can really reduce some of the oxygen flow, which could increase your risk for getting dizzy, fainting, even possibly a heart attack. And so we haven't seen anything officially come from the governor's office yet. Um, they have created a work group of uh, different organizations from across the state that's currently advising the governor. There's three meetings that are happening this week, and we're going to put forth a proposal for what the guidelines are for how gym and fitness facilities can operate once we are given the green light to open up. And so I do not expect masks to be mandatory coming from those guidelines, but if that is a mandatory guideline, we will we will obviously uh, abide by it. But so far, our, our county health department has, has said that it's not required. That's good. That'll make it easier. I did try to um, exercise with a mask on last week that did not <laughs> did not go so well <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, and, and so one of the things that, that we're doing, though, um, and this is different than some of the other organizations that individuals within our community are entering, is when you come into the YMCA, we will have some health check stations. So we will have a set of questions that we'll be asking members, and we will be taking their temperature via contactless digital thermometer. And so um, that is to help ensure the safety of others in the facility, especially because we know that many aren't likely to be wearing masks while they're exercising. Yeah. That's good. An extra precaution and just making sure people are healthy as they're coming into the facility and not continuing to spread. One of the things I wanted to go back to in terms of, because the YMCA is so much more than just a place to exercise, right? It's it's all about the community. And Adam, you said this in terms of being connected. Um, and I've seen this so many times um, as I've visited YMCAs is, a, is I think a lot of people right now, I don't know how it's best to put this is they just need a hug. Like they just need to see people and connect with people and to talk. And so how do you see that just the mental health and the community and all of that? What does that look like moving forward for your why? <laughs> 
Well, it is going to be difficult because we are um, a community-based organization and we're huggers here. (laughs) And so (laughs) how do we show up with our actions is really going to be paramount as we move forward. And um, we're going to take time training our staff before they are able to interact with our members to talk about how we can be engaging with our eyes and with our affections. And we're really going to focus on just being an ear to listen. Um, and then just loving on people as they come in the door. Yeah, and you know, from the mental health side, you know, number one, we have just an amazing community engagement team here at our YMC. We are so blessed to have um, amazing leadership that has been doing you know, work in, in this Grand Rapids community for decades. And they have put us in a place where there is so much trust with other community organizations and partners that we are able to to reach out to organizations that specialize in mental health services and receive feedback. So we've been doing that for really about the last year now. We've started a health ad, uh, equity advisory group that has been meeting to put some life into some of the healthy living strategies that we have as an organization so that we know that we can reach out and serve more people, especially people who have needs that really aren't being met by other organizations um, at this moment. And so once our you know facilities are reopened and we're able to start engaging more with the community, um, we're going to be uncovering needs that really um, weren't as um, high of a priority in, in previous months and years. And so some of those mental health needs are going to be unknowns, but we, we do have a good plan for looking into figuring out what they are. Social isolation, we are pretty sure is going to be one of those those um, major needs, especially with older adults, um, if they have been having to isolate and, and go you know into quarantine. That we know that that's going to be a major issue that we need to focus on. And that's what our why does so well. Like Shannon identified, you know, we build relationships with our community, um, amongst our community. That is really the, the cornerstone and the bedrock of, of not just our YMCA, but really all YMCAs. That's what separates us and really makes us a different and unique organization is the priority that we put towards that. Yeah, absolutely. And it, just, it, get, it definitely goes back to what Shannon said earlier in terms of in a time of crisis, just recognizing the needs in the communities and and then serving them. And y'all have done that so well. And one I wanted to dig in and learn more about in particular is you have a YMCA that I'm sad to say a couple of times I've visited Grand Rapids, haven't gotten a chance to experience myself. But Sheena, could you tell us a little bit about the Mary Freebed YMCA and its unique design? Love Mary Freebed. Um, I've been here in Grand Rapids two years. And I want to say when I came for my interview, walking that branch was one of the reasons that kind of sealed the deal for me because it was so forward thinking. And and so it's um, our Mary Freebed is a universally designed building. And what I love about it is that it's inclusive atmosphere of this facility encourages social cohesion and dignity of integration where you can see able body and disabled body people working side by side. And so when I think about um, universal, the greatest idea, all the greatest ideas are universal, right? Because it's for all. And that's the, that's the bedrock of who we are as an organization. And so our architect and planners did such a good job to design a uh, facility for aging population, for special need children. Uh, those are temporary need of sports injuries and those recovering from medical conditions. Uh, when you see our facility, you'll, when, you, when you first come up to it, you'll see it's no curve. 
So it is a seamless transition from the parking lot into the building, from the sidewalk into the door, uh, the widening of our uh, walkway so wheelchairs can fit on them. Um, when you walk into our beautiful facility, you'll see that our ramp is the center point of our facility and it wraps around um, so folks can get to and from all the levels. But what I just love about it is you can see different ages, different um, abilities, all together as one. And it's just so seamless. And so it is a beautiful design, much needed design. And I even think about the wonderful baseball fields that we have in the back for our special needs children to play baseball. So it's just all inclusive. It's for all because that's who we are as an organization. Yeah, I I have to come see it. That's all I can say is I have to come see it just to you are welcome anytime, yeah. and Adam and I will take you around. We like to show it off. Absolutely. <laughs> it's the first of its kind. Yeah, and, you know, what What I really love about, you know, this why here is that um, – we have five core values, right? Care, honesty, respect, responsibility. The fifth one is inclusion, right? And that that Mary Freebed facility really exemplifies that. But that you know core value of inclusion seeps into really all of the decision making um, that that we have. So we had a recovery meeting uh, a few weeks ago where we were talking through our PPE supplies and making sure that we were going to be able to get everything ordered and. Um, one of our team members said that they had been, it was either reading an article or talking with someone, and they learned that for individuals who have hearing impairments, that it is um, really helpful for them if people can wear masks that are clear in their covering so that you're able to see the lips moving so that they can still lip read. And so... From there, we've went and we've sourced out clear masks so that we can have even that much more inclusivity into how our staff are showing up for our community. And so when I think of our Mary Freebed facility, I just don't think about the facility. I think of all of the values that that represents and just how that seeps into all of our thinking processes. My family and I were out and of course, we were all wearing masks and I, we, we all found ourselves even asking what? What did you say? I think we all rely on that so much. Um, And so the masks definitely make that difficult. But I can't even imagine for someone with a a hearing impairment. What about in terms of, I guess, as you all have been navigating all of these quick decisions, you know, how do you respond to the community, getting the plans back for reopening? how How are you staying healthy yourselves? Shannon, we'll start with you. Uh, that's hilarious <laughs> because <laughs> we're running. <laughs> and so um, just making sure that our staff are taking care of themselves. So we're doing a lot of check-ins with our people, those who are at home. Um, before we close, as soon as we close, we made calls to our seniors to make sure they were okay. So just taking the, the same concept over to our staff, calling to check on them, uh, making sure that they take a couple of days off. And they feel the right now, a lot of people say, well, we don't want to take off. We're in the middle of the hustle and bustle. And I tell them, well, you can't pour into others if you're not full yourself. So I need you to take off. And so we are our motto here is family first. And so we love our why we love our community. But if you don't take care of yourself first, you're no good to us or yourself. And so we're just loving on our team members. We're being very aware when we see they've hit a wall to say, hey, you know, don't come in tomorrow. Don't jump on the call tomorrow. Um, We'll get you caught up and, and take some time for you because we value you and we love you and we want to make sure that you're okay as well. So we have learned to pause just to check on our our teammates and just to give them the go ahead to take a day, 
take a half a day and just pour into yourself and your family to make sure that you're okay. And so we're very intentional about that. Our culture, um, before the, uh, the pandemic, we really had a lot of culture work on how do we show up as a team? How do we want our behaviors to be seen? We cheer each other on more now. And I'm so glad that we did that work last year because it's showing up this year when we need it the most to say that, you know, it's okay. And you don't have to be a rock star every day. Um, you just have to show up and you showing up is more than enough at this point. Yeah. So Adam, what I'm hearing is that when you see Shannon um, hitting that wall, you're going to have to tell her the same thing, what she just said. Oh, he, oh, oh yeah. I have, have, I, have, I have no, <laughs> no trouble there. Uh-uh. Yeah. Um, so don't got to worry about that. Um, no, so I mean, the, the, the balance side of it, right. You know, um, it's it's tough because working from home, what I have found is that work has seeped into sort of all hours of my day. Um, and, you know, working at the Y, that's not something that's, you know, abnormal. Um, working a lot of hours has been the, the norm my entire career. But um, I do find that I open my computer way more than I used to. And so one of the things that I try and do is when I find a few moments, really, regardless of what time of day it is, you know, I will find opportunities to get some exercise in, to go out, you know, in my yard, do a little bit of work there, um, take some time, eat with my family. I have an amazing wife who is truly just the best thing that ever happened to me and two, you know, young children being able to, you know, eat lunch with them in the middle of my workday has just been a revelation. I, I had no idea how much good that would do for my soul. Um, mm. And so trying to find that those opportunities, those moments, doesn't have to be a whole day or a whole week. But if I can spend 10, 20, 30 minutes with my family or spend a little bit of time in nature, sometimes that can be all the respite that I need in order to get the energy that I need to go finish whatever that next thing is that I have to do. Yeah, absolutely. And then just and keep yourself energized because this is, you know, our world has been flipped upside down and probably will do so again. But it goes back to the it's a marathon, um, not a sprint. So just settling in, finding those those different tricks. So as we're wrapping up, any final words for for those that may be, you know, just try to navigate this situation as best they can? Uh, just be encouraged. Um, as a country, we've been here before. As an organization, we've been here before. Um, and just stay the course and make sure that you're going slow and steady and keeping the safety of your our members and staff at the forefront. If you can't keep the area clean, don't do it. Um, shut it down quickly, but slow and steady, stay encouraged. We'll get through this together as a family, as a community. You know, I think that's great advice. The only thing I think I could add to that would be, let's take the time to listen. Let's listen to what our communities are telling us. Let's listen to what our members and participants are telling us. Um, there's going to be a lot of unknowns in our future coming up. And we need to make sure that our organization is able to help respond to whatever those unknowns are in the most appropriate way. And we can do that if we are willing to listen and then take action. And so in whatever way you can do that, I would just encourage you to show up with more ears than you have in the past. That's great advice. Thank you both so much for all of the wonderful work that you're doing in your communities. I know it's impacting many lives. Um, so keep up the good work. Thanks for having us and thanks for your partnership. 
Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Accelerant Podcast. To check out previous episodes, see the full list on Daxo.com or your favorite podcast app.